You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape our sight because we are the priests to the geeks lantern core thing. Welcome to Systematic Ecology. Today, we are going to be talking about the top five Green Lantern moments, our favorite moments involving DC's, one of DC's most beloved characters, the Green Lantern, and all of his or her many, many iterations. But before we get into that conversation today, I just wanted to say, if you would like to join our Lantern Corps, then you need to head on over to patreon.com slash systematic ecology subscribe to one of our tiers and unlock great bonus content like D playthroughs monthly comic book reviews bonus episodes regarding our c.s lewis uh series we're doing this year it's a lot of fun you're missing out if you have not joined in yet but now let's get into our conversation i'm one of your hosts for today's episode brandon knight i am a Youth ministry intern. I actually just got back from our writing. We just did a think tank writing session for our next sermon series. It was really good. And recently, I have been geeking out on Batman. As you all know, I've been doing a month of Batman stuff. And actually, based off of a recent episode Joe and I did, I watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I don't even know when was the last time I watched that one. I was probably a child. And man... Not only is the Phantasm, the character, just very aesthetically pleasing, you can tell Warner Brothers spent more money on the sound and the music for that than the normal Batman TAS episodes. It's really good. And I'm joined here today by... Uh, TJ Blackwell. I am just a dude, really. Uh, you know, host some episodes here on Systematic Geekology. And uh, I've been geeking out on Green Lantern recently. Uh, in preparation for this mostly, but uh, before that and still now, definitely Elden Ring is what I've been geeking out on, really. It's incredible. I'm, you know, I'm 120 hours into the game. I've beaten it three times. Uh, you know, I platinumed it. Yeah, I'm still playing. It's so good. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, so if you have the ability, uh, go play it. If you can afford it, go play it. I thought he was going to say if you have the ability to stop to let him know how to, because that is that is impressive, my friend, how much you have poured into that no. game. No, I'm not interested in stopping. Uh, I am Joe. I am a marketer, uh, podcaster, broadcaster. And uh, recently I have been um, geeking out on The Witcher. Uh, my wife and I just started it and uh, it's certainly interesting. That's for sure. Certainly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Are you guys it. watching the show? Yeah. Man, the games, the books, it's all great. It's great stuff. Yeah, I like I said, I've got I've got uh, some some opinions, but that'll, you know, stay tuned for um likely a future episode about that kind of thing. That makes sense. We'll just hey, we'll just uh, hold off. Know, we can review the show. 
Yeah. Season three is coming out next year, I think. So we might as well get on it. Might as well cover those first two. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, hey, once again, today we're going to be talking about our top five Green Lantern moments because Green Lantern's a great character. Uh, How this is going to work, just so we understand the rules of today's episode. Last time we did a top five, I believe, was in October when we did our top five favorite supervillains. And it was great. And it was really long, probably because we're kind of long winded on the show, or at least Joe, myself and Will are. Um, We have TJ today and TJ is a man of few words. So maybe this will go a little quicker. But how it's going to work is we're going to count down. Here's the rules. Five to one. We'll bounce back and forth between Joe and TJ. I'm going to play moderator just to kind of keep the conversation on track. Maybe throw in some witty comments. The stuff that people come to hear me say. We'll go run through all of those and just pour some love on this great character. Sounds good, guys. Sounds good. Cool. Let's go to you, TJ. Starting at number five, what is the number five best moment of Green Lantern? For me, number five is from Sinestro Corps. Or, uh, shockingly, these are all Jeff Johns Green Lantern moments, by the way. Uh, the reveal of Liesel Pond, the super intelligent smallpox virus, who is a Green Lantern. That is hilarious to me. It always has been. I just love it. I love him as a character. Here on Squadcast, my uh, my name is a reference to Liesel Pond, the Green Lantern of Sector 119. I just love it. So goofy. Nice. Cool. Joe, what's your number five? Uh, my number five is uh, during a uh, moment where um, the where Hal... Just came back, um, and and he's getting into it with uh, Batman, and he just he lands a, a direct punch on Batman, and it just goes to prove that there are there's so much to the character of Hal Jordan when it comes to the kind of guy that he is, and so on and so forth. That's my number five. All right. By the way, I took the moment to now look more closely at TJ's screen. And sure enough, there is a reference there. What do you know? Cool. All right. Number. All right, TJ, number four Green Lantern moment. All right. Also from Sinestro Core War, uh, Saddam Yacht versus Superboy Prime. Uh, Right in the thick of it, Sinestro Core versus the Green Lanterns. Watching Saddam Yet and Superboy Prime just absolutely go at it uh, for what was in universe like three hours, four hours. It was just awesome. It was great. You know, they're throwing yellow, they're throwing green, they're throwing hands, knees. It is great. The kitchen sink, kendo sticks, trash cans, the whole thing, just everything is getting tossed around in that fight. I know we're here to talk about Green Lantern, but I am a sucker for Superboy. I'm not a fan. I shouldn't say that. Superman doesn't land very well with me, but Superboy, especially that 90s Superboy with the leather jacket, that is that is good stuff there. And they, But Superboy Prime has an amazing fight and everything gets involved. Love it. 
Mm-hmm. Joe, number four. Um, number four. I'm a, so I'm a sucker for um, older, some of the older aspects of DC. And one of the things that I think DC has done well, pretty historically, is um, cross over the different iterations of a particular character. And so for me, number four is when um, Alan Scott and Hal Jordan met. Um, just mm. for for somebody like me, that's just, it's, it's nerdy gold. Um, you can find it in Justice League of America numbers uh, 21 and 22, where Earth One, the Earth One and Earth Two versions of the different heroes got to meet each other. And it's just the start of what would go on to be um, some really cool character work. Yeah. Alan Scott. Yeah, I do love, I love Alan Scott. Yeah. Got the weirdest costume. Uh, but I love it. It doesn't make any sense for like current Green Lantern stuff, but it's great. My dad had a T-shirt that read with the lantern in the middle. I loved that shirt when I was a kid. I have an issue somewhere in my collection. It's four of them. It's the I think it's the first time Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, uh, John Stewart, and Guy Gardner all get together to work. So it's the first four big ones. Number three, TJ. Uh, number three for me is going to be uh, when Coast City becomes the city without fear. Also from Sinestro Core War. Uh, I swear it's not recency bias. I just love <laughs> the way Jeff Johns writes Green Lantern. And uh, seeing Coast City, which at this point had already been destroyed by Mongol, uh, you know, refuse to leave with the anti-monitor Superboy Prime, Cyborg Superman, and Sinestro inbound uh, was really awesome to see. Just the whole city lighting up green in their windows, on their balconies. It was it was great. Yeah, I guess you could call this recency bias, I guess. But I mean, to be fair, Jeff Johns is a great writer. And all that all the books that he read he wrote regarding around the Green Lantern. And the Green Lantern Corps and Sinestro War and the whole thing like that is good comic book writing at its finest. I mean, Jeff Johns was the guy there at DC for a while. Joe, number three. Mm hmm. So number three for me uh, comes from Green Lantern number 50. It is when um, in in 93, Coast City was destroyed by by Mongol. And in a dying effort, uh, one of the Guardians um, used the last bit of his energy to create uh, what at the time would be the final ring um, that went out to one Kyle Rayner, who um, is probably my favorite of all of the Lanterns, but I'll be the first one to admit that that is 100% shaded by the era in which I've read the most Green Lantern comics. So I'll be the first one to admit they do kind of turn them into Space Jesus a little bit at different times. But I just, I love the fact that, that he, it was the entry point and origin story for what was probably the most creative of all of the, um, the Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner, he's the 90s one, right? Yeah. Has like the black and green striped 
It's kind of like up and down stripe oh, yeah. uniform, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has one. He's probably the big stripe. Yeah. He's probably the one that I have had the least amount of exposure to. Even guy, even guy Garner, Man. I have gotten more time with. So there's this whole oh, like you should space read some Kyle Jesus. Books. Oh really? He becomes the he basically becomes the power battery. Uh, he oh. embodies Ion, right? Which you know we later discover is the willpower entity. Okay, and it's great. Yeah, he also doesn't also wear a like, ring because he is the source. Okay. Direct also, that, like this least. continuing theme of Coast City getting destroyed. Coast City, man. Like, well, we're talking that? about what was probably <laughs> the defining character point for Hal Jordan and all of the things that kind of spun out from that and his time as Parallax. True. That is true. Yeah. You know, Green Lantern baddies and Green Lanterns themselves just love to blow up Coast City. Yep. When all those fails, it's kind of like in Star Wars. When all those fails, just throw somebody down a pit. They'll be back, but just throw them down a pit. And if all those fails, blow up Coast City. It's a good, it's a good linchpin for, in a story. TJ, back mm-hmm. to you, number two. Uh, number two for me is going to be when Hal Jordan became the White Lantern in Blackest okay. Night. Yeah. Uh, however, briefly, it was uh, fighting Necron. Uh, you, we get to see Sinestro try and claim the power of the white entity, you know, the entity of life, and it just rejects him. You know, the man who thinks he is the greatest lantern ever, it just completely rejects him. He gets off like one attack as the white lantern, and then Hal Jordan's like, if anyone's going to be white lanterns, it's us, and he makes himself the Flash, Wonder Woman. Uh, who else is there? Uh, he just makes them himself and a ton of other characters White Lanterns for a good few minutes, and they get to work on the Black Lantern Corps. And that sequence of pages is incredible to read. I love it so much. Now, for this episode, we're getting like into the nitty gritty specifics of different Green Lantern series at different moments. So this episode is really more for people who have read Sinestro's War and Green Lantern Corps and all this stuff. But just for the casual Marvel listener, Josh, listening to the episode, White Lanterns, Black Lanterns, give us a quick like explanation. What does all those words mean? All right. So Jeff Johns takes over writing for Green Lantern. He decides, uh, I'm going to do the whole rainbow Lantern Corps. Uh, he wasn't the first one, but he did you know, establish it. And he, because of him, we have the Green Lantern Corps who kind of weaponized willpower. Uh, Green is the color of willpower. Yellow is the color of fear. Blue is the color of hope. Yellow, I already did yellow. Red is rage. Uh, Indigo is compassion. Pink, I've always, I always think it's pink, like pinkish, purpley, is love. White is life and black is death. So... Orange is greed. Orange is greed. Forgot it's like about there's orange. one missing. What did we miss? Orange. Orange is greed. And if I remember right, there's only one orange lantern at a time, right? Because they're greedy. There were briefly two during okay. Blackest Night uh, because they were trying to strengthen the core and they appointed Lex Luthor an orange lantern. 
That makes sense. Lar Fleas, the the normal Orange Lantern, did not like at all. Uh, So they kind of got into it. Because, you know. But if Lex Luthor is going to be any of them, he's definitely not going to be a compassionate indigo tribe person. Mm-hmm. He's going to, it's going to be a greedy fellow and black lanterns. They're like zombies, right? If I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically the black lanterns, uh, basically just the black hand, the anti-monitor is the power source for black lanterns. He's kind of trapped in the lantern and the ring seek out deceased people and attach themselves to their fingers and they're back. Hooray, they're so back. You get to see some really terrifying Black Lanterns like Firestorm, Aquaman. Oh, that is, it gets rough. Firestorm is my all-time favorite B DC character. Just, just letting everyone know that right now. Said nobody ever Joe. other than Brandon. That is exactly right. Ronnie Raymond, man. Love it. It's fun. <laughs> And it Joe. is Ronnie Raymond. It, uh, and it is Ronnie Raymond too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So stupid. Everything about that character is stupid. I love it. Joe, number two. Number two, right? That's what we're on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, number two. So I'm going to, for, for number two, it ties into my la- the, what I mentioned last. And that's when uh, Hell Jordan becomes Parallax. I think mm. that when you're talking about, good comic book storytelling. Some of the best and worst storylines are good guy gone bad. I think if done right, it is top of the mark, especially when you talk about the, the times where there's serious stakes, you know, yes, we can, we can look back through hindsight at like these character arcs and all of those kind of, those kinds of things, but at the time, you're talking about a real shakeup in the way that things are things are done within like the um, within the title and things like that. And so when they full on made Hal a bad guy and executed on everything that had happened with him, I thought that that was some of the best character work that they had done with Hal Jordan um, to that point of reading, you know? Again, I love Mm -hmm. the, the, the Ecclesiastes that's going on here of there's nothing new under the sun. This is once again, back to back number two, when Hal Jordan wasn't a green lantern, like that's (laughs) what both of these are like, but hey, when it works, it works. And when you can write a good story off of a, like Joe said, changing a good guy to a bad guy or what we see all the time, especially like in Marvel, every character rides this gray moral area of, are they a bad guy? Are they a good guy? I don't know. It depends on who's writing the book that week, I guess. But when done well, it can make for a really compelling story of, okay, so what happens when the, ba- when the good guy goes bad? Right. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Before we Parallax do number one, definitely the best example. Yep. Parallax, you In said it's the best example of that. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think. I don't know if they're really. It's an else world. So I don't know if Superman Red Sun counts. That's an else world title, though. I uh, count it. You count it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Joe seems pretty unpersuaded. Yeah, I guess. Before we get to our number one, That's I wanted to throw throw in a couple honorable mentions. First off, I have to sh- I have to shine some light and some love on the Justice League cartoon from when I was a kid, which was when I got to see John Stewart as Green Lantern. That was my biggest exposure to that character at that point. Uh, great cartoon. DC has a great track record when it comes to cartoons, especially in that 90s, early 2000s, Batman animated series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Teen Titans, just a lot of good cartoons during that era. And Justice League with Jon Stewart involved, that was a good run. And I know uh, another honorable mention I want to throw in here, and I know it's, it's not a popular opinion, I really shouldn't bring this up. The the Green Lantern movie. Look, we all know it. Do you like the Green Lantern movie? No, no, I don't. I do not. I'm not going there. That was not a good movie. What I do appreciate about the film is that we finally got the Green Lantern on the big screen. That's really all I take away from this movie is here's our first live action depiction of the Green Lantern. Was it good? No, not even close. But at least it finally happened. And maybe someday Zack Snyder might do it with he was supposed to be there was early rumors for his original version of Justice League that there was supposed to be either Hal Jordan or Guy Gardner in his version of Justice League. But That whole thing's a hot mess. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that. So, no, I don't like the movie, but I do appreciate it for, hey, it's a different character from DC that's not Batman or Superman on the big screen. So I wanted to shine some light on those. Is there any other honorable mentions before we get to our number one picks? Honorable mentions, uh, I would say uh, Kyle Rayner becoming White Lantern. Uh, Completely different scenario. But... Also awesome. I just love the White Lantern Corps. It's sick. And uh, probably uh, Swamp Thing being reborn, which basically doesn't involve any lanterns at all. But it is in a Green Lantern comic. And Deadman is there as the White Lantern. So, Oh, that's really cool. You know. Yeah. So those two for me would definitely be uh, honorable mentions. Love some good Swamp Thing. So I'll take it. Joe, any honorable mentions before we get to our number ones? Yeah. Um, so so TJ mentioned it slightly um, before, but pretty much the entirety of the Sinestro Core War. I think that that is uh, maybe pound for pound the, the single best full run of Green Lantern. Um, I, don't, I don't know of another author for... Green Lantern that um, had a better beat on the character as a whole, like I, the entirety of the Green Lantern mythos than Jeff Johns. I just think he he is probably, like I said, single-handedly the best Green Lantern writer that there's been. Because not only mm-hmm. does he know the mythos, but he expanded the mythos, as TJ brought mm-hmm. up and that's what with all the other lantern cores. Right, and that's really what it comes down to is three quarters of what everybody can appreciate about the Green Lantern Corps um, today was introduced by 
by Jeff Johns. You know, there were other parts of it that predated him, you know, as far as some, like I said, the, the, the white mm-hmm. lanterns and the, um, the, the yellow lanterns, yellow so always far, you know, th- those kinds of things. But like by and large, most of the extracurriculars outside of just, you know, the lanterns, the guardians, Oa, things like that is pretty single handedly mm-hmm. at the hands of, of Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I do have another one that I just thought of. Uh, okay. It was when Ganthet, well, one of the guardians of Oa, created a green power ring for himself and fought alongside the other lanterns. Ooh. It was awesome. It was so <laughs> cool. Because, you know, Ganthet was always the one, at least in the hands of Jeff Johns, to not follow the other guardians and being completely detached. Sure. And, you know, a couple others broke off and created a lantern core, but that's that's a different thing. That's a different thing. All right. Well, on that note, then, guys, what is our number one picks? TJ, we'll start with you. So for me, number one, uh, which I'm sure will shock everybody, is from Blackest Day. But it is when the leaders, you know, the respective leaders of each core get together on Oa. I'm pretty sure they were on Oa to go and fight the Black Lantern Corps Uh, because you get them all standing right there next to each other. Uh, They all recite their oaths, which is awesome. You have St. Walker, Indigo One, Sinestro, Atrocitus, Hal, uh, Larflees, which is hilarious because he does not have an oath, at least not at that point. I think somebody might have written him one. But everyone recites their awesome oath and powers up, and Larflees is just standing over there, like cradling his battery. What? Epic. And then, you know, Atrocitus doesn't like that. He doesn't like that Larflees didn't power up, so he runs over there and just grabs Larflees' head and shoves it into his power battery. <laughs> Larflees powers up too, which I love that the Orange Lantern does this. It powers him up to 100,000%. Love it. (laughs) Which I just that I've stared at that page for hours. Really? Just appreciating all of it. Carol Ferris is the one I was missing. Oh, Carol. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred thousand percent. That's some good, silly comic book. Thousand percent. That is some good, silly comic book writing right there. Just stop thinking about it. That's what you got to do sometimes with a good comic book. You just got to stop thinking. Joe, number one moment. So my number one comes as an extension from my number two. When Parallax first happened, there was no mention of it being uh, basically the possession of the Yellow Lantern entity. That was more of a, you know, oh, I'm evil now, and so I'm calling myself Parallax sort of thing. Um, Jeff Johns, again took that and expanded on the mythos and made it so that way Hal Jordan was possessed by the evil Yellow Lantern uh, entity named Parallax and that those the um, the destruction of Coast City and everything that happened that Hal did and all of that was not his own doing. And so he created a six-inch issue miniseries called Green Lantern Rebirth. 
that reintroduces Hell into the mythos, brings him back, but also um, gives him a bit of redemption. And I am a sucker for a good redemption story if done right. And I think Mm. the way that Jeff Johns writes the redemption of Hal Jordan, you know, there, there's a reason why characters like Superman are so eternal because they, they stand for something. And Hal got a chance to, as the guy, you know, like it or not, he was going to be, the guy as far as the green lanterns go. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Johns took that and leaned into it and gave him those boy scout, uh, sort of, sort of qualities where he is the paragon of these virtues. And it's written in a way that's unafraid to highlight the complexities of Hal Jordan's character while also giving him those kinds of virtues that those two things together again I can't I can't say enough about how good at writing Green Lantern Jeff Johns really is. Yes, yes mm-hmm. he is. And for me there's only one other guy who writes a really good Green Lantern story and this is I want to share my number one because in general, when it comes to comic books, this is one of my all time favorite series in general. Green Lantern, Green Arrow from back in the uh, 60s and 70s when Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill were working on it together. This was just outside of the comics code. There was no comics code being stamped on this. So they were able to wrestle with issues like Speedy being hooked on heroin and racism. And what happens when a one percenter like Oliver Queen goes bankrupt and has to live in the slums and how Jordan is edgy. Oliver Queen is edgy. The art is amazing. Neil Adams is one of my favorite artists. And by way of DC, Joe and I often talk about this whenever the subject of DC comes up in episodes by way of DC. It's very grounded. You don't usually get that grounded of stories when it comes to DC, you get more of the monster of monsters and gods type of thing when it comes to DC, which is fine. That's a, that's what I like about DC comics is that it's more fantasy than grounded, but this is very good. If, and it's a deep cut. We've been talking about Jeff Johnson, more recent history, Green Lantern, which is fine because it's really good. But if you're looking for an old school pick, go go check out that old school Green Arrow, Green Lantern stuff from Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill. Before we wrap uh, up our conversation. A lot of people. Go ahead. A lot of people aren't aware uh, that Green Lantern's first comic book came out in the 40s. True. Like 1940. Uh, this character is 80 years old. Right. There is a lot of Green Lantern history. If you just really want to get into it, you go all the way back to when the, you know, the Green Lantern was called the Star Heart. And Alan Scott, basically nothing like the Green Lanterns we know now. But it's still a good story. Mm-hmm. It's good Golden but Age stuff. crazy. And if I remember correctly... Yeah, good Golden Age is- he his weakness back then wasn't yellow, but wood. 
So if you came at him with a number mm. p- number two pencil, the fight's over. Hey, that would have worked for a long time. Most most number two pencils, because you know it was still yellow, right? And that's the best part. Of I, I ripped that until that's funny. Uh, I, it wasn't until Parallax became like an evil entity that it was before that that it was just. Green lanterns are weak to the color yellow. There didn't have anything right. to do with the yep. other lantern cores or anything like that. That's kind of like um, the original Flash. Jay Garrick got his um, got his powers from water vapor. Just just nice. water vapor. That's it. You know what I mean? Like the, gold, golden age. DC Comics, and I should say comics in general, but specifically DC Comics, were silly. Absolutely. Way more, way sillier than more modern takes on the characters. But speaking yeah. of... Yeah, the Green Lantern was Jay Garrick for like 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And speaking of Jay Garrick, man, that costume is sick. I love that outfit. With the stupid tin hat, nothing makes sense. It's great water vapor all right well before we move on into our more spiritually minded conversation i got a great story to tell for that i just want real quick favorite green lantern i can kind of guess which one joe's going to say but tj who is your favorite green lantern probably also kyle rayner kyle rayner joe is that your favorite as well i think joe's gonna say kyle rayner yeah that's what i think too Kyle Rayner. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess I got to. I'm Kyle missing Rayner. out now. Awesome. So, and and honestly, like each one of the of the Green Lantern stands for something. Like there's something. You know, Hal is the big blue. The basically the big blue Boy Scout of the group. Tortured soul, but definitely more more of the Boy sure. Scout type. Um, John Stewart was the first major push towards um, diversity in the comic, but also like more of that military police officer sort of like really de- emphasizing yeah. that portion of the responsibility and character. Um, Guy Gardner, more of a hothead, more of a loose cannon type, more of the anti-establishment kind of kind of character and then Kyle Rayner like I said before is the embodiment of um the creative aspect of the character and everything exploring more and pushing more boundaries as far as okay can can we do something other than a giant boxing glove can we do something other than super practical uh objects and will the um, fan base appreciate that. It's uh, something that they that they will welcome, and they really push the boundaries on what was done as Green Lanterns. And yes, I understand that there are more Green Lanterns than just those, but we're talking about the core members of the roster. Plus, Joe will punch. We live me on the Earth. Screen. We're allowed to have an Earth bias. Yeah. Plus, Joe will punch me through the screen if I bring up the dog. So I can't remember his name. Good. Yeah. The comedy. Good. But, <laughs> good. but I, I do love Kyle Rayner is like the tippity top end of the creative Green Lantern power spectrum. Uh, okay. Kilowog, I would say, is the exact opposite end. 
Sometimes he won't even make a construct. He'll just make a giant hand and grab something that already is in the environment and hit the bad guy with it. I love Kilowog. Silly, silly fun stuff there. So on this note of uh, talking about Green Lantern, I want to take us all back to a different time period. 2015. 14. 2014. This is the era of there is no Vine, there is no TikTok, so we wasted all of our time taking BuzzFeed quizzes and Potter House and all these other really stupid quizzes that we were so hooked on. I was a senior in college at the time, and as we were all finding these ridiculous quizzes to find out our Myers-Briggs character that we're like in Marvel Comics and what friends character that we're like on BuzzFeed, one of my friends found a quiz that will determine which Lantern Corps are you a part of. So we took this quiz and we're, you know, people are getting blue and orange and red and all these different things. Well, it just so happens that the comic book shop down the road from our college had all of the rings. They were like these chunky, big plastic rings, a buck a piece. We're poor college students, but we can spring for that. So what we would do is we would take the quiz, go down, buy our rings, and then we would get people, even if they didn't have any idea what we were talking about, to take the quiz find out their lantern and then go get them ranked. And over time we were building our own core, our different cores on campus. And I can tell you for whatever reason, there was a lot of blue lanterns at grace college in 2014. I don't know why, but there was a ton. Anyway, I kept putting off taking my quiz because I really wanted to be a green lantern. I didn't want to be any of these other things. I didn't want to find out I'm orange for sure. Like I was really nervous about that part. I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. I finally took it. And sure enough, I was a Green Lantern. And I was so happy. And here's why. Not just because I like Hal Jordan. I like Alan Scott. Not just because I like these characters. But because when I was in college, this was the first time in my life, which it is for a lot of college students, that I started finding out who I am. I was going through some identity stuff at the time. My identity was not rooted in Jesus. And this was also the first time in my life that I was actually getting help for my mental health. So it was a very trying time. It was a lot of growing. There was a lot of pain and processing. And what was really encouraging to me of all of the things in on this journey was to be told that I am a Green Lantern, that I would be a Green Lantern. And I, I remember like reading the description as like, you are a courageous person. You have a strong willpower. You jump into action. And just all these things just soaked. I just soaked it all in. This stupid personality quiz that I bought a little green plastic ring to celebrate. And yet that was a milestone in my life that to this day, I still remember. And it still gets me fired up. And I think back to we we've been doing this series at youth group right now, going through the book of Joshua. We're going through the first half of it and going back to the verse Joshua one nine, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. And what's really cool, I got to teach on this verse. And what's really cool about it, trying to bring this full circle now to our Green Lantern conversation is that. You know, the green, pow- green Lantern finds power in his willpower to 
go into battle. But what's really cool for us as Christians is that like Joshua, we're called to be strong and very courageous and to go into battle, but it's not in our own willpower in that verse. And in the verse right before it as well, or two verses before it says that our power, we go into battle. We fear not because God is with us. And earlier it says, because we have God's word and we are to follow the law of the Lord. That's what God tells Joshua. So that's my my Green Lantern sermon. I thank you for letting me, thank you for coming to my TED Talk and listening to my Green Lantern sermon that for us as Christians, we don't just draw on our own willpower to go into battle. We have God who goes with us Courage isn't measured by our gender or by, you know, how big of a heroic of an act that we do. But courage is measured by us confronting something that brings us fear and confronting it with God before us and behind us and on the side of us. So that's my spiel. Guys, I'm really interested. How would you like to weigh in on this? I think, you know, in general... Uh, willpower is a big part of being a Christian. And it's very easy to resonate with that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, in today's day and age, have the willpower to be openly Christian and, you know, like, no, sorry, I can't go out drinking with you guys. That is, you know, I'm not going to get blackout drunk. That's a bad thing. Bible says no. Uh, it mm-hmm. takes more and more courage to do that sort of thing these days. And having the willpower to worship openly uh, a lot of people just don't. So true. Does being a Christian make you a Green Lantern? Not quite. Not quite. But you do have compassion. To, does fall in know. there. Compassion, definitely. Yeah. Hope, even. Hope, hope, even. Yeah. yeah. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a level of, you know. There, there's a choice that we have. It's it's the beauty of free will, right? That we we have the free will to obey God or or not to obey God, and we when when you're talking about something like willpower, you know, I I think any time that you are juxtaposing the self versus choosing god um there has to be willpower involved regardless of what uh, of of what generation it is that's always been the plight of the human is the fact that we are human and the fact that we want what we want but following christ is the contrary to that that's why you when you look at the manifestation of these things it's there's such a drastic difference between what we want and what God wants. I like it. Need a little bit of willpower. Need a whole lot of Jesus. As we go into this world that caught that, you know, following Christ isn't easy. You know, we're told to take up our cross daily for a reason. And it takes willpower and courage to do that. So what do you say we start wrapping this episode up? All right. So before we get out of here, then, uh, guys, do we have any recommendations for our audience? TJ, we'll start with you. I recommend two things. 
uh, play Elden Ring also uh, in the theme of today's episode, please go read as many Jeff Johns Green Lantern comic books as you can. And if you're not trying to read that many, read Sinestro Core War, then Blackest Night, then Brightest Day. There you go. You will not be disappointed. Joe, how about you? So I'm going to double down on what TJ said. If you if you go from from start to finish through the Green Lantern arc or through through Jeff John's Green Lantern arc, it is a pretty holistic story. It is a story that has you know, a several act structure and it builds upon itself. And so for, for that, there is, there's just this, this richness of storytelling and character work and all of these kinds of things that if, if that's your bag, you know, reading whole runs on a character, I would say green, uh, starting it with Jeff John's green lantern is fantastic um and and just a just a little you know extra recommendation if that is your your style of of reading um then i would suggest checking out joshua williams run on um the flash he starts during the um the dc rebirth initiative and goes straight through to uh, I think he. I think he wrapped up about a year ago, and so you're talking about a couple years worth of Flash yep. comics that all tell a story and and expound on the 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 Speed Force and all of those kinds of things. So very very good. And my recommendation is an anti recommendation. Don't go watch the Green Lantern movie. Definitely go read those books. If you have no idea anything about the Green Lantern, please do not watch that movie. Just appreciate the fact that they made one. Yep. TJ, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, mostly you can find me right here, wherever you're listening to this uh, Systematic Geekology. I'm usually on uh, probably at least one episode every other week. You can go to our website, systematicgeekology.org, go to hosts and read my bio there, or you can find me on the Whole Church Podcast. Also, probably wherever you're listening to this, unless you're on systematicecology.org. And uh, check me out. Joe? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on the socials, as well as anywhere that you can find podcasts um, at either Betty Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. Um, I am live on the air six out of the seven days a week, so you'll be able to find me. You can find my show, My Seminary Life, also wherever you get your podcasts. It's on uh, Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. I talk about the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you head on over to systematicgeekology.org to let us know what you have been geeking out on and what you would like us to geek out on or talk about here on the show. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.